Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 80, Falling in Love with Your Nutrition. Weight gain and loss is a huge part of our lives, and Suzanne Carpenter helps women over 40 lose weight. She shares her story of releasing the shame of her eating disorder with tremendous acts of self-love. Suzanne is an approachable, sincere, fun-loving, and passionate leader who loves to see personal improvement and transformation in those she teaches. Through her successful 14-year nutrition career, Suzanne saw a problem. Women in their 40s are overwhelmed and misinformed when it comes to actually losing weight and keeping it off. She created a virtual nutrition education company called Carpenter 180, whose mission is to provide programs that clear up food confusion so that women can win at losing weight. This is a subject that I am passionate about, that it's personal to me, and I am so excited for you all to listen to it. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, we have a beautiful guest, Suze. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. Me too. So I always start off the podcast asking my guests what their love story is with themselves. And you can just tell us how you became the woman you are right now. Oh, it's a really interesting subject to have. I, I'll start out by saying in my life, I've been blessed with a beautiful love story with my husband. And it's been, you meet me and Mary 25 years. And it's, it's one of the best parts of my whole life and one of the healthiest places that I have. But I will say in my own personal love story with myself, I had a secret um, that I really planned to take to the grave. Like I didn't plan to tell anybody the secret, not even my husband. I um, was so ashamed about this secret that I, I actually believed that if I told it, that like kind of like my bones would fall out or I would be so unlovable and so unlikable. And that mattered so much to me that I would be loved and liked because I was bullied in elementary school and in junior high because I'm so tall. I'm 6'2". Um, that I thought if I shared that secret, I was really going to lose a lot of relationships. So I held it tight until somebody said, you know, you say you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And I'm going to tell you what, I lost a lot of sleep about that question because I had um, an eating disorder for many years from like the time that I was about 13 through my young thirties and I'm 49 now. And it was based out of control. And I know that now, but I thought it was so ugly that I would starve myself. And I could never, um, I could never throw up, but I was a binger. So I would purge by exercise and over-exercise and laxative abuse. And I didn't know how to get out. And I was so afraid to ask for help because I thought the world was going to be so cruel. And I was so already vulnerable that I thought I'm better off just keeping this inside. So when I was asked this question, I thought, oh, my stars, if my daughters grow up to talk to themselves the way I talk to myself, and if they grow up to have this fractured relationship with food like I do, 
I couldn't stand that idea of them like berating themselves in front of the mirror and that mean girl talking to them the way she talks to me. Like I would never talk to another person the way my inner mean girl talked to me. And I would never let somebody talk to me that way, nor would I let my daughters hear somebody talk to me that way. Yet the biggest bully was inside my own head. So that question gave me like just enough break to get out and get some help and speak it out loud first to somebody that I was paying. And that was met with so much love and compassion and understanding that she helped me frame how to have the conversation with my husband first to tell him. And of course, he felt sorry that he never saw it, but I was a master at hiding it. And he felt sad that I was so scared that to tell him that I wrote that story in my head. It was all a story I told myself. So after getting myself help and getting therapy for that, and then I started in the nutrition space because there were all these things that I was taught that I was like, well, hold on. Why wasn't I taught this stuff in high school? If I would have been taught this stuff, then I could have maybe not suffered with this eating disorder for so long because I would have understood. And so I was looking, but I was too ashamed to reach out for help. So I needed to like, I needed the first steps to almost come find me, if that makes a little bit of sense. So I've always believed in the golden rule of decide what it is you need most in this world and then go do that. And so from the principles that I learned through my recovery, all of a sudden I was a former first grade teacher. So like when I understand science, I can explain it in a way that a first grader gets it. So all of a sudden I started just writing out these curriculums of well, abs are made in the kitchen. We can't outrun our fork and you can't take pills and powders and there's no magic diet. Or I promise you I would have found it and I'd be telling you about it. So it really came down to when we were in school, our teacher taught us about numbers first and then therefore we understood money. You know, when she came to telling us about what $60 was as part of $100, you could decide if that was in your budget or not in your budget or if it was worth it or if it was not worth it. And really food is a lot the same way, but we just have never been taught the mechanics of it. So I basically gave birth to a company that exists to help women over 40s lose weight, but really to restore a a really toxic relationship with food so that they can create a lifestyle they love where they look and feel their very best. And it's not about gene size or vanity. It's really about that self-love of looking in the mirror and not hating what's looking back at you, thinking it's disgusting and it's ugly and you're ashamed. That's starting your day at a negative five. And if you can get to a place where you're back to feeling confident in your skin, confident in your body. You no longer feel shame and guilt around food. You no longer feel out of control around food. Rather, you know, you're done worrying about your weight. That's a thing of the past that really opens up for women to go do amazing things in this world. I mean, we can give birth to humans and feed babies. We can do incredible things, but the weight is the thing I think that keeps women from feeling like an imposter in their own life and playing small. And it's honestly the opposite of self-love. It's the opposite of self-care. So where I went from this timid, afraid, almost felt like a liar in my own skin to a confident, solid, um, I'm in control of the mean girl and I'm able to ridiculously pay it forward now. And it is just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's so powerful. Thank you. It's just so interesting because I feel like now that I'm in my 40s, it's something about 
being a woman and being like, I have to figure out a way to love myself and accept myself, which when I was younger, you know, when I was like a teenager in your twenties, there was, you know, a 40 year old woman would tell you, you need to love yourself and appreciate yourself. In my mind, I'm like, you're an old lady. Like, what do you know about being 18? Like I was just so dismissive of these older women that were trying to give me solid advice. And now that I'm that their age, I'm like, they were a hundred percent correct. You have to find a way to love yourself, radically love yourself, because there's no other way to live your life fully, fearlessly, unless you find that strength within yourself. And it took a long time to get to this place where I can say, yes, I love myself and my weight and this and that. And it's a big deal. It really is. And I feel like it happens for a lot of women when they're reaching their upper 30s into their 40s, because now it's like, okay, wait, I have had my kids, I'm in my career, what's going on with me? So I, I think you also gain, and you gain what you say, like the sense of wisdom that, okay, really, I'm in charge of making myself happy. Nobody else's planet can ever fully fill in and make me happy. I have to be there and you become willing to do the work to fill in the holes to achieve that and to ask for help finally because you realize asking for help is a sign of strength not weakness absolutely yeah and it's and I also think there's a mortality bit because you know what I mean like when you're young you're like I have my whole life ahead of me but I think there's something when you hit 40 you're like oh wait I have less years ahead of me than I have behind me, unless you live to your 90 to 100, God willing. But there is a right. sense of like, I'm, I'm, I'm midlife right now. This is the middle. And, and where do I want to go? Right? You become really willing to reflect on where have I been? Where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. And in my space, I'm like, okay, listen, your health truly is your greatest wealth. And it's the thing we take advantage of until we wish we had it back. And I it's not really a fancy thing that makes people really want to begin to take care of themselves, that idea of being healthy. But I'm so interested in the people who are in their 80s, who are vibrant, who are walking the beaches, who are going out to dinners, who are getting up and down off the floor with their grandkids, carrying their groceries in, doing all of the things. You know, I'm so interested in like right now is such an opportunity to really do self-care and self-love that the future us is going to say thank you for. It's like an investment in that. Yes, 100%. Because it's, it's, that's the thing about health. It's like an amazing savings account. You have to put in the money for it. It's like a 401k for your health. Like you, there's no way that you can enjoy your golden years unless you put in the work when you were younger in terms of eating well, exercising, but also the emotional stuff. Cause I find that's why, you know, I talk about love so much because I find you can do the, you can eat well, you can exercise, you can do all the healthy things. But if you are not handling your emotional toxicity, your negative thought patterns, your emotional wounds that you had in childhood that never got healed and revealed and holding on to shame, all this stuff, not only starts to show on your face, but it definitely ages you. Yes. Yes. And that's a curious thing when you talk about some of the things, the wounds, the traumas that happened in a childhood. I think we can get the the idea that, oh, I don't have any old traumas to heal because they're not 
bad enough. You know, we have that survival skill. It's not as bad as somebody else's. So I don't really need to go back and do that work. But I think it's fair to say all of us have at some point, like an inner child or adolescent that received a message and wrote a story that maybe wasn't entirely the truth. And that child is still hanging on because it didn't get the message resolved. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a really interesting thing. Like recently I've been working with my own counselor because I believe you can't pour out if you're pouring from an empty cup. And I have this narrative because of my shame and my guilt of it's my fault. Like everything is, it's my fault. And because I default back to that, I miss out on really great conversations with people I love because if they give me a message with their face that they're upset about something, it's my fault says, uh-oh, you did this and this and this, or this and this and this. And I'm thinking about how to get out of trouble. It all stems back to those old messages. And instead of saying to the person, it looks like you're having a tough day. Is there anything I can do? You miss out on the love because you're so, you're so afraid because of that little story that you wrote when you were little. And it, it can be tremendous to go back in and heal some of those things so that you can move forward. And again, it's self-care because we have to learn how to manage these emotions. It's one of those things we were never taught, but it doesn't mean that it has to stay out of control forever. I love that you shared that because I, I think that's so important, like having that ability to heal your emotional pain because it becomes a block to connecting to others. And it really becomes difficult to receive love from others around you because you are stuck in your emotional pain and toxicity. And also it becomes extremely hard to give the love to others. So without going, without having that insight of who you are and what your triggers are, it really makes it hard to have that infinite love experience for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think to that point, it's hard to get to that point where you know your triggers. I think there are a lot more people walking around, not even realizing they have triggers that are activating an old childhood thought or belief that affects their response in current circumstances. I think sometimes it's just an awareness if somebody can think, I'm really not showing up in this world like I want to, and sitting down with a good counselor or person you can talk to that's advocating for you, they'll help shine lights on little holes that may not be so big, but if we can figure out what those holes are, figure out your triggers, you become better adapted navigating them. And right. I just, I mean, I wish more of that message got out for mental health, that it's not helpless. It's not hopeless. You just, there's an element of there, there are doors you just have to open for yourself to walk through. And there's, a, there's magnificent magnificence on the other side. Absolutely. And it just makes life so much more rich and connected yes. and just it's like all the miraculous things that people want can happen when you have mm -hmm. when you're in that space of love and forgiveness and empathy and understanding you know so walk being able to walk that path and even if you're not perfect getting there because i'm not perfect getting there it's no. just like just the intention of just getting there is i think so powerful i always tell my kids that as i get older and closer to being a grandma that um <laughs> i'm like i just want to be softer as i get older and yeah. smell more and more like sugar cookies like mm -hmm. that's my desire but my path to get there is not going to be a straight line and it won't be perfect, but I promise you I'm not going to stop trying. But, mm -hmm. but 
holding me to my old mistakes isn't going to work. Like you don't want me to hold you to your old mistakes that we have to believe in change and progress. And we're in this life to learn and we need to be ongoing, ongoing learners. It's just, it's like such a fascinating thing when you realize you're in, you have more options than you feel like you do when you feel stuck. But when you look back, sometimes when you're stuck, you were stuck so that you became willing to make a change that was going to lead to a positive of, again, you feeling more connected to yourself in this world. Yeah, but th that's really looking at everything in life as an opportunity for growth, right? So then you can take those negative moments, perceived negative moments and flip them as a, as a way of learning and a, and a way to grow. Yeah, you know, there's a book by John Maxwell. I think it's um, planning for failure or training for failure or failing forward. It's something with the word failure in the title, but he's actually teaching you how to take failure as an event, not a personality trait. So you're not as hard on yourself. Yeah. And then really taking those as learning opportunities to get better. And when you can look at things like that, you like yourself a whole lot more. Right? I, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to... um talk a little bit about the weight because I know your your target audience is women in their 40s and I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of us in our 40s like you know having kids or a lot of my clients are in going through the IVF journey they gain weight from hormone injections you know and you know just perimenopause and there is something to be said about your 40s in terms of weight gain and, mm -hmm. and how much of that really affects your self-esteem, feeling sexy, and what the media portrays in terms of sexiness. And there's not a lot of conversation around being a woman. There's a lot of being young, like 20s, 19, being teenagers, and then being old, like an old lady. But there's not a lot of information and even representation in terms of TV shows and you know, I'm also a personal stylist. So shopping for women that are in their 40s, it's like 50s. It's so challenging because uh -huh. there's not even a lot of, in, there's just not a lot. Um, So I'm just like, now that I'm in that age bracket, I'm looking around like, oh my God, am I supposed to dress like a 20 year old? <laughs> like there's, or right. dress like an 80 year old. There's not right. a lot of feedback on what it means to be a woman in this modern age because we're no longer like the golden girls were in their 50s. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh, that's mind blowing. I, I can't. And now our 50 year old are JLo. Like, you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> when, when I first saw that meme come out about the I, Golden Girls, I, I about fell out. Like, me you too. thought it would be me. I was on the floor because I thought she was in her 70s. You too. But I, I was like, and I mean, I love me some Blanche. I oh, loved her. Because. She's amazing. And there, you know, and there really hasn't been a show since that's talking about like, I'm an old, I'm an older woman. Like <laughs> all these men want me. <laughs> yeah. I just loved her confidence. <laughs> In any case, it's a special space um, because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of support. And I'm so happy that meeting a woman that is attending to this, to us, because we need more support and more love and more representation of the tri trials and tribulations we go through in our 40s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and what I find is when I start working with women, I hear the same things like, um, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I've Googled everything. And there's so much information. So they stop. 
Then there is, I don't even know what's what I'm supposed to be eating anymore. There's just this study and this study and this study. What's the truth? Then there is the lie of, I guess I just need to get used to this and deal with it. It's going to be this way forever. And then there is the, I'm not confident I can do this. I've not been able to lose weight and keep it off or lose any weight before. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I'm confident in you, but I'm not confident in me, says the women. And what's so interesting is there's actually, there's three parts to what we need to solve for in weight loss. There's a nutrition piece of like, okay, let's stop the bleeding. Let's start the weight loss. Let me get you some groceries that, you know, like I simplify everything to get them started. And I tell them like, this is your range of what we need to pay attention to so that I have you in weight loss mode. But then we have to get into the environment, like in sight, in stomach, and we don't want to test ourselves, but we don't want to take out all of our favorite foods either. Because the reason that they say diets don't work is actually not the truth. Diets do work. It's just that they're oftentimes so restrictive in quantity or taking out a food group or favorite foods, they're not sustainable and therefore they're ineffective. So what I teach is we need to get the right foods in your house so that you are eating more of the right foods, but we learn how to factor in your top five favorite foods. So you have weight loss without hunger, without feeling deprived or denied, and you can dine out and enjoy cocktails, exercise less, eat carbs. Like we debunk a lot of myths so that you go from feeling educated to empowered. And when you feel empowered, you're inspired to keep going. And it's like this handing of the baton. But the third leg of the stool is the emotional part. And emotions always override logic. So we solve for nutrition, we solve for environment, but then we really have to dig in to our thoughts and beliefs around food. Like a lot of us use food as a way to regulate our emotion and we don't even know it. We don't even know that we've been doing this our whole life, but it's a way to shift up. Like, um, I want to connect with somebody. So we're going to connect over food instead of just connecting at a cognitive level. Or I want to shift down to like almost numbing out meditation and hide and go away from this world. And we use food to do that rather than feeling our feelings. And so it's a long process. We don't get to where we gained weight overnight. So we don't get out of there overnight. And one of the most important things I do right away is pretty much teach a PhD in what to expect with the scale. So you can be your own mentor and you can do things like check the facts. Like, am I really gaining weight or is this water weight or period weight or perimenopause weight? Or is it, I ate, did I exercise? Like you're able to check the facts rather than blow it, I blow it, that. And then when you start to understand what you're looking for and you start to realize I'm actually losing weight and I'm shrinking, this empowerment and this fun happens and you realize you're not starving all the time. You're not telling yourself no all the time for a lot of us. You know, we've got the message in our 20s because that's what society said that you told yourself no. And what happened is you actually created this food scarcity mindset. Like you weren't going to have another meal, which that's not true. And so, because food is everywhere, after enough days of being perfect and then you binge, you have this thought of, well, I might as well super binge because I need to have a last supper because tomorrow I'm going to be perfect again for the rest of my life. So I might really go for it. And that creates a cycle of misery that women have a hard time getting off of. And a lot of times it just takes a short time of investing in themselves to get the knowledge I have. Because once you learn something, you can't unknow it. And then you understand and you feel like, okay, now I can do this for the rest of my life. And that's, it's just, it's blessing to see these aha moments happen for women because yeah. this weight thing is really 
sloppy and messy for a lot of females. It is so, so emotional. It really Mm -hmm. is. I mean, you know, helping people figure out their style, weight is a huge part of that because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, what do I wear? I'm like, and and what am I hiding? Because now I want to hide my stomach and I want to hide my extra weight around my back or my thighs, it's, you know, so it becomes this whole conversation on how you can accept your body dress beautifully and work on losing weight if that's what you desire, but not to try to lose weight for somebody else's vantage point. It has to be for you and mm-hmm. wanting to love yourself and wanting to be healthy and wanting all these, the, the positive side effects of losing weight. But then there's, you know, and I like the fact that, you know, you have to also accept where you're at and love yourself where you're at and coming from that place as opposed to like, oh, I hate my body. I need, right. I'll be able to achieve this when I lose the weight. I'll be able to be with this man when I, when I or woman when I lose the weight. Like holding the weight loss as a trophy. And, and it's like, why live your life waiting for something yeah. to happen? Live it now with your 20 pounds with, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know and, it. And forever, like we have to challenge that mean girl that says you're on a diet, so you can't go for girls night. You're on a diet, so you can't go to that restaurant. You're no, you're going to binge and you're whatever. You can't go on that girl's trip or that vacation. We need to learn how to lose weight and keep weight off while living our best life and not living so afraid and hiding. I love that people work with you, even when they feel like they want to hide their stomach. And they, I think that that I talk a lot in my groups about the wellness of style, that if you can show up and get dressed and put your makeup on, you just changed your energy and you're very likely to make different decisions. Everything. It's everything because it's all about how you walk into your room and the energy that you carry. So if you're walking in the room with your sweats and hiding, hair messy, there's no way that you're going to present yourself in an amazing, loving way, unless that's your style is to wear, is to wear shorts and to have that casual look, which some people do. But if not, if that's not your style, naturally wearing makeup, put, doing your hair, wearing a nice outfit, you walk into a room with a different level of confidence. It's just like, okay, I'm here. I'm here to be seen. I'm here to love. I'm here to serve. I'm here. Yes. And Everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to feel validated. Everyone wants to feel loved. So I feel like if you embody that within yourself, like I love myself, I'm valuable, I see myself, and you walk with that energy, people are going to notice you and be like, oh, what's happening with her? They're not going to look at her and be like, oh, look, that belly. No. No. In fact, don't you feel like it's the least selfish thing you can actually do by like taking care of yourself and loving yourself enough to put on something that shifts your energy And you're eating in a way that you're feeling proud and you've got like that swag about you. I am convinced that person is outward facing Mm -hmm. and ready to serve and show up to others. I think when you're not taking care of yourself and you're feeling frumpy and you walk in a room, you're thinking about yourself and how you want to hide and you want to shrink that. And you're actually really inward focused and you don't mean to be selfish. It's just that you feel so yucky and you're thinking about hiding rather than thinking about others. And it seems upside down what we're saying, but it's really true. It's true. Cause you can't be of service to others. If you're concerned that they're looking at you and thinking that you're fat. Exactly. Right. 
Because exactly. you're, you're too much, you're in your pain. You're like, oh my God, I'm fat. Oh my God, my skin. And I lived that for so many years. I would walk into a space and be like, oh my God, my acne. Oh my God, I'm black. Oh my God, like, oh my God, my skin's so dark. My hair, oh, I'm kind of chunky. Like, I'm tall. Like, I know it's so funny you said that because I've always been insecure about my height. I'm like, oh my God, I'm 5'9". Uh. But I've never shrunk because I was a dancer. So I've never had that, like, I've always been trained to put my shoulders back. Yeah, yeah. But... I always wanted to shrink. Like I want, I was like, when I was five, six, I was like, okay, I'm five, six, I'm average. And then I kept growing and I was like, no. And now I love my height, but it took a while. So like, I know what it feels like to go into a space and, and feel like uh, all awkward. And then people act awkward. And then you're like, why are people so awkward? Because I'm right. awkward. <laughs> because I'm thinking about me again. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when you walk into a space and you're spreading love for yourself. It becomes, you become a beacon of light where you're like, oh, and everyone else is like, oh, I can be comfortable with me because look at her. She's comfortable with her. And it becomes a gift. Your your, your presence yeah. becomes a gift. And everyone right? has that ability. I love that feeling like you can be so engaged in a conversation with somebody else because you're at peace within your own skin yes. that when you're in the room, you've left it better than before you got there. I just, yes. I love people that have that ability to, bless a room like that because they bless themselves i think you're right because they took care of themselves you can't love others if you don't love yourself no i mean how could you you mean you're you're like exactly what you were saying earlier you're too you're too self-absorbed you're like oh like what's happening they're judging me and it's, then you're you feel judged so you judge others that's a hard message like that's a message i hope people listen to again with a really open heart that you just said because it's so true. And, but I think if you don't love yourself, that's a difficult message to receive because you don't want to think that you're selfish or that you're inward focused or me focused. You don't want to believe those things. No. But then if you reflect honestly, like, yeah, I guess when I am in a room with all those people, I really am thinking about how uncomfortable I am, or I am judging others before they can judge me. Ouch. That's a tough pill to swallow, it's but it's a really real one. It is real. And it's also, it's especially tough when you think of yourself as a nice person. Yes. Right? Like, I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a good person. Yes. I, I, you know, yes. I'm spiritual or religious. I do, you know, I give to charity. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm a loving human being. What are you talking but about? I think getting the message of like, really, it's like getting it deep into somebody's stomach of, mm -hmm. but you really have got to figure out how to love yourself so that it's real soft inside you. Right. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to go, okay, now I need to do something to create that. Like, right. <sighs> it's hard because I think for me, like, you know, it's so interesting that you mentioned the softness because I swear to you this morning in my bed, I was thinking about how can I be more soft? Like, I want to be softer. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like get rid of, get rid of all these hard edges that I've created in terms of protection and really reevaluating my life. Like all the things I thought my personality was are not really true like mm -hmm. I'm not that prickly tough person that I have projected all these years so it's just so interesting that you mentioned that because I think when you're on this journey of self-love it's really analyzing yourself and being like am I this person that I've always thought I was or is that person just a protection mechanism because and don't you think the protection mechanism when it's at its ripest is really brittle and it's hard oh, to break but you get a yeah. little bit further into the softness and you realize you can smooth edges easier and easier and vulnerability becomes easier and easier as you walk it out. The first bit right. is hard. 
But as you get going, you're like, oh yeah, we can smooth that out a little bit. It won't hurt so bad. Right. But this, that first break that leaves you in tears where you're crying for two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) And I think people don't realize we all did it. We all did it. Cause you see the after rather than the before. Right. And I think this is why community and friends and coaches and whoever is on that path of love and support and goodness is so important to have around you because mm-hmm. otherwise you having a meltdown because you want to be a loving human. Most people are going to look at you like, uh, why, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> that was not lining up. Really? This is what we're crying about here. Um, and, and then, so in that space, it's such a vulnerable space because here you are like breaking open so you can love people more and be a good human it's important to have people that support that journey around you as well. Yes. That lift you up rather than beat you down as you're going. That is very important because (laughs) it's like, you know, it's it's like everything is like going to be pouring. It's going to be like pouring acid into your heart. That's just slowly breaking open and just (laughs) first seeing the light of day. And so, you know, I think that's where love for yourself is so important because you can give yourself the grace, the (laughs) compassion, Mm-hmm. Like okay, honey, it's all right. You're being mm-hmm. vulnerable today, but it's okay. It's okay. To yeah, it's okay. To You're cry. doing good, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's mm-hmm. okay to you know to have those reassuring moments for yourself. But I don't think I know I couldn't have gotten there if I didn't have the support of teachers and mentors and coaches and friends and all of that. That were Absolutely. so when they went through things, I could see them going through things and be like, oh wow, they're going through something. And I could be there for them. And then when I went through something, they could be there for me. But I had, you have that level of understanding, okay, we're in this together. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so important to have community. I do too. And I think, you know, you're only as good as your five closest friends. And if your five closest friends are pulling you down, not wanting and supporting the change, Mm -hmm. that's more about them than it is you. Because I believe in having mentors and being mentored and being a mentor and being a mentee, I should say. And some of the most incredible leaders that have been in my life are so open and vulnerable about their struggles because they know it's not going to be what keeps them down forever. It's just the tension that they're walking through right now. And there's such a sense of me too in that community. And it's it creates bravery for continuing to move forward rather than just the the people that want to pull you back down, like the crabs in the bucket that want to keep mm-hmm. keep you small. So if you have that story and I want to reach out and I really do want to make changes, it's really important to surround yourself with people who will encourage you to keep moving forward, even when it's hard. Yeah. And I think especially when, you know, circling back to the weight loss, because, you know, so much about that is the shame. Yes. Right. Which is why we hide and we don't talk about it and we don't tell people. And then that is the one place where I feel like women and men, but if you have that catty mean girls around you, that's where they just dig. They can be very, very harsh. And so Mm -hmm. it's so important to have friends that support you on any, you're you in any size. Yes. Oh yes. You know, people tearing you down because I'm so grateful every day that I'm not in high school or middle school or any of those times where it was appropriate to bully people. (laughs) Yeah. It's never appropriate to bully anybody, but as an adult, you can, you can step, you can have the choice to step away from a bully, right? And you, we still have bullies in different forms, but not like middle school. And those were like rough years. And, um, but I also have to be grateful for them because I wouldn't be 
the woman I am today today if I didn't if I wasn't bullied right you just yeah there's truth to that too right yes learn a certain level of empathy Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and as you get older you realize hurt people hurt people and bullies are really hurting and they're just trying to deflect before you can wound them deeper right they're just in pain but when you're Mm -hmm. 14 uh, you're not understanding that you're just (laughs) crying and feeling shitty it's just like not a good feeling yes oh god it was you know I don't know like I have to constantly remind myself when I have a bad day I'm like well at least I'm not 13 (laughs) like that's literally what I tell myself you are not 13 life is life is not bad you're not 13 (laughs) that was like middle school was the worst so for me that was like the bottom for me I mean of course adulthood I have had painful situations but there was a but there's something about that age bracket where it felt, I felt so helpless. Like there was nothing I can do. I was. You're right. right. You're right. That is a brutal time. And even getting my four kids through middle school, my husband and I with each one of them were like. <gasps> we live with them. <laughs> yes. Because you get them to high school and we all feel the relief. Like, oh, high school at least is a little less pressure than middle school. Right. And they're more autonomous. You're, you're stronger when you're 15, you 16, 17. Like there's something about you psychologically between the age of 11 and 14 that's just so painful. Mm-hmm. Just you're not, you're not quite a child. You're not quite a teenager. You're trying to figure out who you are. And then you get your period. Wonderful. I know. Isn't that a good time? <laughs> and then you're not sure about it. <laughs> right. And then you're like trying to figure out, like, am I a woman now? Like what's happening? <laughs> I'm grateful. I tried day. to. I have two girls and two boys and I, I was given this idea. I was just smart enough to play it out. So I'll put it here for all the other mamas with little girls, but my, we always did a red tent party when my girls got their period. And like number two daughter was like, how much longer do you think I got to wait? Because I want this red tent party where we're going to the spa. (laughs) We're getting a hotel room. Just us girls. Like we totally changed it from being a, I want to hide on it. And it's to so exciting and it's like it should be we're girls we do really really cool stuff and it shouldn't be yeah I love that I love that and I had a friend who had a menopause party she kind of did the same thing like so she had a menopause party like so she had she invited all her friends to celebrate the fact that she's not bleeding anymore (laughs) I was like I'm totally gonna do that that's great (laughs) isn't that amazing yes that was so fun Yes. I, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm close right. to that. I'm right. Because that. I feel like most of us, the idea is like menopause, you're like, oh God, my vagina's shrinking. I'm getting old. Like, you know, this is it for me. <laughs> and that's so not true. That narrative is so not true. Mm-hmm. So we'll no, no. And- We're in a cool time where we are rewriting what it's like to be in our fifties and sixties. Yeah, you're right. Like yeah. JLo is leading the pack very well. Like I'm 49 <laughs> and I don't feel 49 at right. all. Right. I know. So all these, I mean, I mean, of course, celebrities have, you know, chefs and all the things to make themselves look young. So, I mean, there's a certain level where we can't exactly compare ourselves to them. But I just love the energy of it. Just like, yes, like we don't have to age in a way that we're just hidden away in an an assistant living at the age of 55. I'm like, really? Like, like, Mm -hmm. that's only a few years away. Like, why not live to our fullest? And mm-hmm. that's where that's where Blanche comes in for me because in my mind I'm thinking of her in our modern day as a seventy or eighty year old woman. She was living her life. Yeah, yeah. You know? She was a little cougar. It's what she was. <laughs> I loved it. I totally I loved it. I remember being in eighth grade and like 
Oh my god. <laughs> I loved I totally lived for Blanche. I thought she was hilarious. Uh, um so let's get into some of the infinite love questions. Okay. So the first one is how do you express love in your work? Well, I express love honestly before I start anything that I do in my work, I just remind myself I have nothing to prove, but I have something to give. And I see them for who they are and they feel heard and they don't feel shamed or discouraged. They feel validated and encouraged in this work. And I feel like that's the best way that, that I can show love is that I show up and I let them sit in their space of their concern, their fear, their worry. And there's something about being able to shine a light on that ugly, scary, emotional monster to get some new tools that I feel like it's like handing the love baton over to them. It's a beautiful space that I have. Like it was a yummy little warm community. I love it. That's wonderful. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Well, I would say that is forgiving myself. Honestly, I, I didn't think that I didn't forgive myself. I thought I was just trying to deal with accepting that you know, I had harmed myself and hidden shame for so long. And then when I realized I can so genuinely forgive others, like I, I can, I can accept, I might have to remember that I forgave them and re-forgive. But um, I think that I actually held myself where I didn't forgive myself for a long time and I was in bondage. And then when I really forgave myself and it was kind of getting to know it's my fault, that little girl part of me and saying, you just didn't get the truth. You just never got the story, the whole story. It's okay. And you were forgiven. You're not meant to feel bad about this forever. You're meant to learn and to move forward. And so when I did that, I felt more confident in moving forward when I forgave myself. And I realized we're all messy. We're all sloppy and broken. All of us are. And that whole um, imposter syndrome is just such an ugly space to get into. And if you can forgive yourself and you know your heart is to go out and to do good in the world, you really can show up better. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? The most compassionate act somebody has done for me. Boy, that is a really good question. I think... I think it was when one of my friends just sat with me when I told the story that first time to, because um, there was a time before I hired the therapist where I told one person the truth and she sat there and she hugged me and she told me how brave I was. And that was the beginning of realizing I was brave and I could survive it. And that was very compassionate because she could have wounded me in a way that we'd never be here right now. Right. Right. Oh, that sounds like a very beautiful friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you love most about your life today? I love most about my life right now that we are as a family of six. I have a 22 year old, a 20 year old and twins that are 15. We are a unit that wants to spend time together. We have a vision as a family of them getting married and having grandchildren and casting memories that we can see of a family unit together. And my kids understand we do hard things. We do hard things as a family, but it doesn't mean that we don't love one another or somebody's cut out or we, you know, someone's not liked. Everyone that is in my family knows they're wanted and loved. And home is a place where they rest and restore. And that is everything to me. I want people when they come into our house to feel like it's safe here. Even if the big bad world isn't, even if life is hard, 
at least I'm going to feel honored and supported and encouraged in this house because mm-hmm. we need that even as grownups. Yeah, 100%. How do you feel you receive love? That's an interesting one because I really feel like I receive love by words of affirmation. And I thought a lot about that. Like I thought it was gifts. Like I liked presents and things. And I thought it was, I liked when my husband did things for me, like go get gas in my car or something. But really what I realized is I receive love. Well, first off, if I'm connected to myself and to God, because I'm faithful. Um, But when somebody just expresses with words an affirmation that that's how I receive love the most. And I think it's important to understand that not everybody does like the five love languages have been pretty important to understand how you can better love somebody else in a way that they need to be loved. Cause part of my journey is I, I had a wonderful childhood. However, I recognized that I wasn't loved in a way I needed to be loved, but my parents loved me. Like, I don't even question that. I know that to this day but I wasn't loved the way I needed to be loved. So me being able to answer that question to you and then be able to likewise serve others that way, that awareness has been pretty important in my life. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love the five word, the five love languages. He like changed the world with that book. And mm-hmm. that theory. Mm-hmm. So my mm-hmm. last question is where has love created a miracle in your life? Oh, that's so good. Well, I think in many ways, the love between me and my husband has created a miracle in terms of it's, it's just a fortunate thing where it's, that's the miracle in itself that I have this person, the spouse that continues to show up every day. His highs are never too high and his lows are never too low. He's steady. And he's, he's writing this love story with me as we grow old together. And now that I have teens that are beginning to look for their loves and what that looks like for them, I realize just how easily we could have never ended up together. And it, the, the older we get, like we're married 25 years, the more this last year, the two of us have said, man, we could have really botched this thing up in the early days. <laughs> Thank goodness we did it. You know, like yeah. everything really was in our favor and we were smart enough to hold on to it and not waste it. And it's as we've gotten older that we've seen how precious it is. And then that in itself is a miracle because we don't take each other for granted as some marriages do. And um, I'm grateful for it every day. And I don't know why I was so lucky in love, but I sure am glad. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can people connect with you, um, work with you? Can you tell us the details of your social media yes. and website? Yes. So in Instagram, that's probably the best way to follow me. It's weight loss over 40 and specifically weight loss dot over dot 40. Um, and then Facebook is the same way. And what's so cool is you can see me living, um, this lifestyle in my life, because I mean, I've gained and lost 80 pounds and I've kept it off for so many years, but I've lived this pattern of eating and you can see how abundant I live. And I love how I eat and it's wonderful. And it's encouraging. You can get to know me a little better that way. Um, I do have a freebie. If you go to fiberfinds.net.com, fiberfinds.net, your audience can get like my favorite fiber finds because little something is um, if you can increase your fiber to at least 24 grams a day, you'll malabsorb about 96 calories each day, which over the course of a year can lead to a 10 pound weight loss. 
by adding in fiber. Fiber will swell in your stomach and act like a bluminous sponge and it'll usher extra calories, fats, and toxins out of your body into the toilet bowl. And this is a super unsexy nutrient we forgot to remember. And it's the zero calorie part to a carbohydrate. Our body can't digest it, but it will burn a crap ton of calories trying to digest it. And it will help you feel full. But everybody's like, where do I find fiber? Well, how do I do it? So you want to get my fiberfinds.net list so that I just can simplify you getting started with that because it's actually weight loss is a side effect of getting healthy and studies show increasing your fiber will help to regulate your blood sugar, reduce risk for type two, type one diabetes, pull diabetics off of their type two meds by weight loss, helps to regulate um, the cardiovascular system, helps regulate blood pressure high and low, reduces inflammation in the body. Like there's so many benefits to having it. I can just go and go and go. And if we can just increase that, I think you'll find that you'll start pulling a few pounds off much easier than any method that you're using right now. I love it. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. This has been a beautiful conversation. I love talking to you. It's I love been talking to you too. Really powerful just to hear about the work that you're doing and the woman that you are in the world. So I salute you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.